Hello, I'm Stuart Craner, and this is a Thinkers 50 podcast. Hello, I'm Des Dirlov. Um, we are talking to you from the heart of Silicon Valley, and we couldn't be actually much closer to the heart. We were in Sunnyvale, and we're actually in the former office of Gene Armdahl, who was a pioneer of the IBM mainframe computer. And then had his own company, and which became eventually part of Fujitsu, who now own the, the property. And uh, this is the uh, Fujitsu Open Innovation Gateway, is where we're speaking from today. Now, we, we, have it, we were reliably informed that um, when Gene Armdahl was here, he used to keep a live tiger in this office. Which would, would have livened things up. Certainly would. I guess back, back in those days, that was the ultimate status symbol. If you were a tech millionaire or billionaire, it was to have a, a big cat roaming around the office. Um, these days, your, your average um, Silicon Valley billionaire is more likely to have a, a Tesla than a Tiger. As a motivational tool, a Tesla is probably not quite as uh, <laughs> pointed as, as a Tiger. And actually, well, what we've been doing in Silicon Valley is uh, hunting for ideas and the, the thinkers with the, the best ideas. So we're going to run through some of the ideas and the, the thinkers we've encountered over the, uh, the last few days. Well, funnily enough, and I know he's, I, I believe he has got a Tesla, so there is a link there. Um, we were lucky enough to meet Steve Blank, serial entrepreneur, the man they call the godfather of Silicon Valley um, and, and the originator of the lean startup movement, or at least one of the originators of the lean startup movement, along with Eric Ries and Alex Osterwalder. I think we met Steve at um, Stanford, and I think it's, it, we, we should never forget the role of education and educational institutions in, in the rise of any cluster, and particular, particularly Silicon Valley. Stanford and, and Berkeley have had, had a huge influence on the, uh, the area's amazing growth. Anyway, Steve was um, taking a course on hacking defence, and what was interesting, I think, there was um, it was targeted at people in the uh, uh, governmental employees in the defence world. And I think what what's interesting there, which Steve was talking about, was that the governmental organisations are now embracing some of the, the latest business ideas in a way they haven't done for quite a long time. And I think there was a strong link in the 1950s and early 60s between government and the latest management thinking. You could see the roots of many management ideas like strategic management came out of um, governmental organisations and I think the uh, appetite of governments to come up with new ideas and and mine existing ideas is, is really expanding. Well it's good to see too that I mean we, we, we know that the the defence industry played an important part in the creation of Silicon Valley it's nice to see Silicon Valley and the thinking here giving back to, to the military and to um, the defence system. But Steve teaches his um, Lean Launchpad programme and, and we know too that's been picked up by the research community of America and, and is, is going great guns. So that's very exciting as that spreads through all of American society and hopefully will reach, um, reach into other countries too. I thought um, he was particularly interesting when he was talking about his insights on you know, what's going on in somewhere like Apple and, and what's gone on at Microsoft when you have a CEO who's very much the innovator, and probably the founder, a Bill Gates or a, or a Steve Jobs, and they're, then they're replaced by their number two, Steve Ballmer in the case of Microsoft or um, Tim Cook in the case of Apple. 
and you have the op- the operations guy, the guy that's really good at making things run efficiently, taking over from the innovator, and it doesn't always work because, of course, they try and get rid of the chaos. But in many ways, it's the chaos that creates the innovation. It's living with a certain amount of chaos and discomfort. And it'll be interesting to see what happens at Apple over the next few um, years. And the suggestion Steve was saying is, if you've got a number one who's the innovator, then you need an ops guy as number two. But if you've got an ops guy as number one, then you've got to get an innovator in as number two. Yeah, we interestingly we drove past the uh, spaceship-like um, Apple HQ being... Uh, being built at the moment, it should open in, in 2017. Uh, obviously, enormous building, and it just, it just feels like the uh, you have plenty of time to see it because you're sitting in traffic, but virtually certainly in Silicon <laughs> Valley, which is a, a miraculous in itself that uh, they can do all these exciting things, and yet the traffic is terrible. So, but anyway, the Apple HQ, it feels like the, the grand gesture of a declining empire, but perhaps will be proved completely wrong. Well, again, another very interesting uh, guy that we, we met while we've been here, and it's somebody who's working closely with the Fujitsu Open Innovation Gateway, is Henry Chesbra, a professor at the Haas Business School at Berkeley, um, and the originator of the idea about of open innovation. Um, and, of course, Apple is, is not a company that you think of as having embraced the notion of innovate of open innovation, they still tend to to work on a more proprietary basis. So perhaps they aren't so well suited to the new era. Mm. And the way Henry was mapping it out, we're now in the age of open innovation 2.0, and that instead of being a uh, I don't know, a, a diversion or a, a not really part of the essential mechanism of innovation, that open innovation is now reality and, and very central to uh, the most exciting companies and it's yeah I mean interesting at the open innovation gateway at Fujitsu they're working with startups like Ingenta and uh, companies like TechShop and it's interesting because it's about building relationships even though they might not might not lead directly to sales mm. well I mean and Henry's Henry's um, research clearly shows that you know, the percentage of new ideas and IP that's coming out of the big research laboratories of old or the big research centres in the past. You think of, of somewhere like Xerox Park, which was so important in the early days of Silicon Valley. And, and now it's very clear that the pattern has changed and that a lot, more, a lot more ideas, a lot more of the new technology is coming from these smaller companies. And so the big companies need to, to you know, get on good terms and, and create uh, relationships with those companies to know what's going on. And we also talk strategy. Uh, it's easy to forget about strategy when all the talk in Silicon Valley is about innovation and bright ideas and sexy products. Uh, so we talked to Tim Luco of uh, Thinking Dimensions and the, the origins of Thinking Dimensions and Tim's ideas go back to Kepner Trigo and their idea, the rational, the rational manager and the rational decision maker in the, in the 1960s. Uh, and Tim's got a book coming out, Making Big Decisions Better, and his work was quite interesting that the intersection of big decisions and strategy and for a consultant it was quite refreshing to hear somebody say that uh, getting rid of all the PowerPoint decks might be the way to really connecting with what, what strategy is all about. Certainly sounds like good news to me, cheered me up. <clears throat> um, and of course we also met um, Barry Cates of IDEO fame um, who teaches at Stanford these days. His new book that came out last year was called Make It New. Uh, and he was reminding us that 
when you think of Silicon Valley, you, you, one thinks of the technology, one thinks of the technology firms, but he was making the point that how important design has been and design thinking has been here in Silicon Valley. And you think of, again, think of a company like Apple and the differentiator between an Apple computer and, and perhaps the other computers was the, was the aesthetic, largely. And well, Barry's also made the point that Silicon Valley was built on networks as well as technology and that that's easy, easily forgotten. It was interesting talking about design thinking with, with Barry because there was very much the suggestion that it's become one of those ideas that has been hijacked by popularizers and the essence of it and the, the practical usefulness of it is can be overlooked or misrepresented. That's true. Um, and, and so a lot of this stuff we, we've been thinking about and talking about this week comes down to how you do innovation now at this point in the 21st century and the notion of, I mean, here, Fujitsu, some really interesting things going on in terms of open innovation and, and even the choice of, of, of what to call this place now. They're very clear that it's a gateway, not a centre. Because yeah. the centre suggests that you sit in the middle and everybody sort of comes to you and you're the, you're the hub, you're the centre of the universe, whereas a gateway suggests that, you know, a portal, an idea where people can come through on both sides and it's a meeting point, bringing in the best thinking from Japan, from the headquarters in Tokyo, but also going out and, and talking to some really interesting people in Silicon Valley and cultivating a real ecosystem approach. And what's emphasised by, by that and some of the other people we, we, we meet is that innovation is about culture. And uh, we also met Soren Kaplan, who is the author of Leapfrogging, was his first book. And his second book, The Invisible Advantage, is coming out early in 2017. And very much, yeah, his thing is that the, the, the thing that makes a difference between companies that continue to succeed, particularly technology companies, is this, uh, the culture of innovation and the mindset, and we've been talking to Moi Ahmed, who, who runs the, um, the Open Innovation Gateway here, and that's one of his um, big phrases, he comes back to again and again. He's trying to change the mindset, the innovation mindset of Fujitsu through the gateway. And I think there's, there's always the danger that innovation becomes too, too narrowly focused, and that it, it, should, it should be bigger than an individual, it's about cultures, and that, that was, brought home to us talking to Navi Raju, who's best known for his work on frugal innovation and Jugad innovation and won the uh, 2013 Innovation Award from the Thinkers 50. Navi is based in, in Palo Alto. And his work, what's interesting with his work is that he started on frugal innovation, make, making, making big changes, making innovation from a small uh, number of ingredients and possibilities and now he's talking about frugal civilization how do you apply some of the, those ideas to how we live our lives well again interesting because that 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 also resonates with with steve blank's ideas about you know lean startup and, and the work that they're doing and of course what's fascinating too is watching how how steve is now looking to scale up that process and that teaching and that uh, methodology um, and some of the things he's doing with, as you said, with the government, um, the US government, and um, to, to take that to a societal level. Another person we, we met in, in this long line of podcasting name dropping <laughs> is, um, and this is one of the most interesting people we met this week, it was a guy called Chris Voss, who used to be the uh, lead kidnap negotiator for the FBI. 
His book's called Never Split the Difference, which is a really interesting take on negotiating. And what I got from that, Chris had a great line that um, what they do is weaponize empathy. The FBI weaponize empathy, yeah, using empathy as a, as a weapon. Amazing. And the, the other thing I got was that in negotiations, integrity in the end is key. If you're not trusted by the, the, the kidnappers or the, the people you're negotiating with, there is no hope. And I think that's something that the, the integrity point and, and is, is something that, again, has, has been come through all the conversations. If you want to prosper in Silicon Valley, you've really got to master the, the idea of give and take. So if you want to take, you've got to give, and it's very much relationship-based. And if you get closed out, if you can't, you, they won't let you into the walled garden, as they call it. And if you don't have that integrity and you aren't prepared to give as well as take... Um, I think a lot of people probably discovered that a lot of outsiders have simply been shut out. So, you know, again, it, 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 it talks to the, the, the big issues and the whole notion of open innovation. Yeah. A great week and great week of ideas hunting. Uh, thank you for joining us. This was a Thinkers 50 podcast. Thinkers 50 podcasts are produced by KDH Creative.